Hey guys, this is Books and Crimes with Mimi and my co-host JB. She's waving at you guys, as always. Um, so before we actually get started, I want to just go ahead. I will get more into it at the end of the episode, but I wanted to let you know that I went ahead and updated um, all the pictures that we could basically find for the stories. Not all the pictures, but at least a picture here and there um, on our Instagram of the stories that we already did. Some of them did not come with pictures. Um, but we, I try to upload most of it that I can. Um, so if you want to go check that out, but like I said, I'll get to that more at the end of the episode. Um, let's go ahead and just jump into the story. So today is episode number seven. Yay. We're almost there at 10. High fives. (laughs) Okay. And this is about the murder family of the wolves. And because this play, this takes place in North Dakota, um, here's a little bit of facts about North Dakota. It says that most America's pasta comes from Durham wheat, which comes from North Dakota. And then these, I freaking love these. I was, I was giggling to myself when I was writing them down. So in Fargo, North Dakota, it is illegal to dance with a hat on. I'm so serious. It's illegal to wear a hat at any party or gathering. Would there be any dancing at all? Oh my gosh. This is my favorite. It is illegal to nap with shoes on. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hey, you want to take a nap? You better get comfortable. No, no, no. Take your shoes off. You relax. Take them shoes off. That's another charge right there, bro. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I a place called Devil's Lake, eleven PM is the cutoff time for fireworks to be set off. It did not give any specifics if it was like Sunday through Saturday, you know how certain counties like um, Saturdays is like 11 and then weekdays is like 10, 10, 30 or something like that. Um, but it didn't give any specific days. It literally just said 11 PM is the cutoff fireworks. So I'm, I'm assuming that New Year's Eve, you know, there's pricing. Oh yeah. I actually was going to do a little bit of research on Devil's Lake. Cause I was curious to see, I'm assuming that might be like the party type lake for people. Or it could be like a family type, you know, like a camping ground type thing. I didn't really look into it, but I was curious, but I didn't do it. Especially like how that is. I know, Devil's Lake. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> it reminds me of that Medea movie. <laughs> Boo. Okay, so anyways, back to the story. Well, let's jump into the story. We never even started, my bad. So... April 22nd, 1920, it was one of North Dakota's most horrific mass killings. Eight people were discovered murdered. Oh, my God. Their neighbor, John Kraft, was one of them to find them. Oh, yeah, He was the one that... Was he, like, old? I... It didn't say. Yeah. I always, like, when I always think about neighbors, like, want to go check on their, like, the, the, you know, the people that live next to them, their neighbors... It's always like some old person that walks in there and they see it and they're like horrified. Well, he, I don't. I, I mean, I'm. I'm not really sure how old he was. I don't believe it said, but it says why he. I did find why he was concerned and went to check. Okay. Uh, 
So eight people were discovered murdered. Their neighbor, John, found them. 41-year-old farmer, Jacob Wolf, his 35-year-old wife, Betta, Beta, B-E-A-T-A. I would maybe say better. I don't know. Uh, their five children, who am I to say? I can't even read anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> their five children in a, a chore? Yeah, he was somebody who help him like around the house. So basically like a, well, I guess, do you even call a boy a nanny? Helper? Yeah, he was like a helper. Yeah. We'll say helper. Um, boy named Jacob. Offer, Hafer, Offer, um, where the ones found murdered. Oh, so, okay. So Jacob, his wife, their, their five, five children, kids. and then the guy that would come up with the boy that would come and help them yes. do whatever around the house. Uh, John Craft, who was one of their neighbors, noticed that their laundry was out on a rainy day, so he decided to go check on them. Okay, because who in the hell going to leave their laundry out on a rainy that's, day? That's what he was saying. Like, no one's going to leave their on a on a nasty day. No one's going to leave their laundry out. So Especially like, in 1920, they washed that shit by hand. So, so yeah, so he was like, I'm, you know, wonder what's going on. Let me go check it out. Okay, so um, John heard the barn door banging, and that's when he discovered Jacob and two of his daughters, 10-year-old Maria and 8-year-old Edna. That's what I thought. Okay. Blood trails led from the kitchen to the cellar where Johnny, where Johnny, where John found five more bodies. Oh, my God. Um, Down in the cellar was Beta? Beta? <laughs> Her three children, 13-year-old Bertha, 6-year-old Linda, and Lydia, no, Lydia. sorry, no, Lydia. and 3-year-old Martha. Also found in the cellar was their uh, the chore, chore boy, 13-year-old Jacob Hoffer. 3-year-old Martha, oh my God, she was only three. It, it just hit me when I, hit, when I said it again. Oh my God. She was killed with a hatchet. Yeah. All the other, that's, we're all killed. So he shoots them all and goes ahead and puts them out of their misery, except for the baby. Yeah, oh. I don't know why she got the most. Uh, I don't know if I just said the sentence because I, I went I ahead and read ahead. Let me say it again. Three-year-old Martha was killed by a hatchet and the other ones were killed by a shotgun. Yeah, I don't know why that three-year-old got the most grizzly attack I don't. Like, She's a baby. Yeah, it was. It was just. I mean, like, none of them should have died. I mean, five but... kids under, you know, thirteen and younger all got murdered for what? Um, there was one survivor that never harmed. That was never harmed, and that was uh, the eighth month old Emma. At least he. Well, damn. Okay, hold on. Let me let me back up. Did he just have nothing but girls? Yeah, they were all girls. <laughs> okay. But at least he didn't hurt the eight-month-old. I mean, still traumatized. Can you, you imagine? Oh, I know that would have been growing up and knowing your whole family literally got. Oh. If this is the story, I believe um, I might be getting confused with a different story. I came across that some of the police officers just were like they were tired, they were done with that because of just how bad it was. But the They're baby, so they said, was the only really thing wrong with her was she was cold and hungry. 
because you know she they i believe it was well she's eight months old so they eight, eat every few hours compared if, to adults and older kids i think i forgot to put, i did forget to put it i think it was at least one to two days later oh my god so yeah so that i mean of course i mean because yeah think about how many times us as adults eat we eat three times a day drink multiple times during the day eight month old eats more than that yeah oh my gosh but you know at least she survived so that was at least something um she was found in the cradle in her bedroom the police believed at the crime scene that jacob's wife and three of their daughters were in the kitchen Jacob was outside and was shot outside from a distance, and then again up close. Oh shit! So he got shot so twice. So this was their um before this was their speculation, just going based off the crime scene. Okay. Before they like get into. Maria and Edna then tried to hide in the barn, but was unsuccessful. That's so sad. Um, they found out Jacob got into an argument with one of his neighbors, which. It never said which neighbor. No, I put it. Okay. Um, sorry, because I'm just seeing more than I'm reading. <laughs> that neighbor happened to show up to the scene of the crime. The neighbor was six-year-old Henry. Thirty-six-year-old. Oh shit. Thirty-six-year-old <laughs> Henry Layer. Henry and Jacob got into an argument over one of Jacob's dogs injuring Injury. one of Henry's cows. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who take their livestock very seriously, whether it's their cows or horses or chickens, anything. If a wild dog, cat, whatever, gets in there to their animals and starts messing with them, they don't take that shit very kindly. They come out with shotguns and ready to, like, so I, I mean, I, that's well back in the nineteen twenty two. So that's like yeah, their livelihood. Yeah, yeah, livelihood. Um, Henry believed that he looked good for the murderers because, or the murderers because of the beef that he had going on with Jacob. <clears throat> During the investigation, they arrested a thirteen year old boy for the crime and placed him in jail. For three days, they forgot about the boy in jail. Oh, my God. So, okay. They just found some 13-year-old kid and picked so, him up and just threw him in jail. And was I like, we forgot on, about you. If, if I remember correctly, I guess he kept on, like, walking by. So, they're like, hmm, that looks suspicious. And, um... So, that made them just, like, put him in jail and totally forget about him. How yeah. do you forget about an inmate? Yeah, I don't know... I don't, it didn't really seem. I mean, it's 1920. They can't, the, the jail can't be like it is now. I mean, can it in 1920? Nope. I don't know either. <laughs> I, I just don't know. But the thing is, it's like, where was the mom? He's like, hey, what about my kid? Okay. I know. <laughs> Where's my son? Can I have him back? Like, <laughs> okay, so the pressure was on for them to arrest somebody for the murders. Because, oh, and I hate that because they, even now they do that. Like, they are so, like, pressured to find somebody for certain murders that they just kill anybody. Well, they don't really do death penalty, but life is basically death if you're innocent. Yeah. So, 
and they don't care most of the time. And that just sucks for the true innocent people. Cause they're just like the police just feel so pressured. They have to, they find somebody who they think. Can fit, yeah. Fits and to the just makes it look good on them. Not always. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, because of the, uh, the embarrassment they faced with arresting the 13 year old and forgetting about him. Oh, so I just totally skipped a whole sentence. <laughs> so the pressure, oh no, I did. So the pressure was on for them to arrest somebody for the murders because of the embarrassment they forced, they faced the arrest, they faced with arresting the 13 year old and forgetting about him. The state attorney, Hence Williams, wanted no one to be arrested unless they had convincing evidence. Well, at least Mr. Williams had his shit together. Uh, they ended up arresting Henry. <laughs> Henry for murders. Henry admitted to arguing with Jacob, but said he didn't kill any, Kenny, kill any of them. He stated that he never owned a double-barreled shotgun and never saw a gun that was near the wolf's home. Well, was he like a friend that came over so, all the time? How would he know if there was okay, a gun so around the house? During this, he got concerned about um, the livestock, and that's why he went over to the property in the first place. And then the police were kind of just like, hey, why are you here? And he's like, I wanted to take care of the livestock and stuff like that. Because you know what happens when, you know, because you got to. Okay, so Henry is not the 13 year old boy. No, I, okay. never, I never found the 13 year old boy. So did they eventually release the 13-year-old boy before yeah. they went at Henry? Yeah. Okay. Because that's why they got in. Um, so 13-year-old boy was in jail for three days, and then they let him out because they remembered about him. So then they're like, oh, shit, we got to find somebody who looks good. And then state attorney's like, we need like actual evidence this time, not just arrest anybody who just happens to be like looking suspicious. We need proof. And because they found out that Henry had an argument with Jacob, they're like, well, that's motive. And he's like, he looks good. Okay. So wait. So Henry, Henry was somebody that. Henry was another neighbor. But did he hang out over there all the time or no, like how would so, he know that they had a gun at the house? So, oh, I forgot. I because I, I only saw it once. I I forgot to put it. So <clears throat> the police pointed out the gun to Henry because it was like in the bushes, I believe. And he was like, "That's not mine. I don't know anything about that." So that that's what where the whole gun came into play. Oh, okay, okay. Because it looked like somebody was trying to get rid of the weapon afterwards. Right, right, right. Like they went ahead and did it. It was like, "Oh shit, gotta go." Just threw it. Okay, so let's take a little break for our little commercial. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Okay, so Henry also stated in in his sign affidavit that he... <laughs> In no way implicated in the murder, and he was innocent of the crime. Henry said he was.
It has nothing to do with the story. Yeah, we're sorry. The laughing has nothing to do. Henry said he was beat by someone he assumed was a detective. That man was the one who told him about the murders and said that if he didn't say that he had committed the murders, he would beat his brains out. Oh shit. Hey, you commit to this. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, they basically told him like this is the story you're going to say, according to what, like, different things that I read about it. So, so they were like, Yeah, they like beat the shit out of him and said, like, This is what you're going to say to the judge. That's fucked up. <clears throat> the Barber and State um, Penitentiary noticed Henry was badly beaten and both sides of his face was swollen. The Barber asked what had happened. And he told him that he was hit by the person who charged him before being brought to the penitentiary. Henry then cried and told the barber that he was innocent. Henry's wife, Lydia, advocated state, Lydia's advocated state, stated that Henry was on the farm and she knew where his whereabouts were. He didn't leave the farm at all. Even though Henry stated that he was innocent, he did confess to the murders. His confession was that he went to Jacob to demand money for the injury of his cow. They argued and Jacob told him to leave. When he didn't, Jacob got his double-barreled shotgun. Henry struggled for the gun and it was accidentally discharged twice. How? I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're fight because they were fighting over it. So but it's I a shotgun. Yeah. I mean... It's not a freaking automatic. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know too much about guns, but I'm pretty sure a struggle over gun, you literally have to physically pull your finger to make it go off twice. Once is probably an accident. Once an automatic, when you just hold that bitch down and it keeps going off. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. Like I said, I don't know too much about guns. Uh, so one shot killed Jacob's wife and the other killed the tour boy, Jake Hoffer. So what, they're all just standing there watching all this go down? <laughs> um, Jacob fled into the farmyard as Henry was reaching for ammunition, more ammunition. He then fired at Jacob and hit him in the back. Henry then ran up to Jacob and shot him again. This was when two of Jacob's daughters, 10-year-old Maria and 8-year-old Edna, Edna. Edna ran screaming into the barn. He pursued, he pursued them and shot and killed them both. Sorry. <laughs> the other three daughters became began screaming in the house. Henry went and shot 13-year-old Bertha, 6-year-old Lydia, and 3-year-old Martha with the hatchet. Okay, so he shot Bertha and Lydia and then got Martha with the hatchet. Yeah. He went back outside <clears throat> and dragged Jacob's body into the barn and covered all three bodies with hay and dirt. After that, Henry went back inside to the house and pushed all the remaining bodies into the cellar. Emma only survived because he didn't go into the room. Oh, so basically he didn't really focus on the baby baby. Right. Anybody who could actually witness against him. Supposedly. 
He said the first two deaths were an accident, and afterwards his mind went hazy and he didn't know what he was doing. Henry was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. He died in 1925, less than five years after his sentencing. Henry died from complications related to his appendix. Henry always maintained his Henry always maintained his innocence. The yeah, so as long every as long as he was in jail, he he always kept on telling people he never did it. That's fucked up, though. I mean, it's it's really not if he did do it because. But the thing is, is even in the when he originally in the signed affidavit, like he even said. He even kept on saying like he didn't do it. The only um his wife said like she knew of his whereabouts. Even the barber went out and had a sworn one saying like yeah his face was swollen. The only one, but um like the cops and stuff like that, theirs was like oh no it was like a little bruise but it wasn't swollen or anything like that. And basically they were the ones that said yeah he did it. Where everyone else was like kind of sticking with the Henry side. And you and he and he always maintained like he was innocent that he never did. But even like a lot of people sus, um, suspected that you know he didn't do it, and if he did, there would had to be another person. Because yeah, there's no way you would be able to take them all down like that. Yeah, with a two barrel shotgun, isn't that two bullets? So after two bullets, you have to reload the two more bullets. That's what I thought, but I also don't know that much about. Yeah. But like, because my thing was like at that point, like one one of the girls, especially at least a thirteen year old, should have been like running to get try to run to get help or so. Even though I know it was like a mile difference, still. Yeah, I mean it's a little common sense. Um, I was just supposed to ask you a question. I forgot. <laughs> No, it's okay. Anyways, let's keep going. It might come back to me, might not. So, uh, the funeral they had for the Woods family drew one of the biggest crowds ever for a funeral. The reports say some reports say that over two thousand people were in attendance. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. Hell yeah. Um, girl, if I die of old age, I would be surprised if I only had like. Whoever I end up marrying, hope it's my bill. Um, you, I hope your mommy's still alive. I hope my family's still alive. You know, that's what four or five people, six people, my kids. <laughs> it damn sure would be no two thousand. It'd be maybe like twelve altogether. <laughs> and that's if I pass away like sometime soon. I hope not, but I'm just saying. I wouldn't have people like that. Um, so Jacob was popular, was a popular farmer in the community. Eight coffins were lined in a row. They were all buried in one large grave that was eight feet by 26 feet. The grave site reads the murdered family. Now I do remember. Hold on. So... Is there any pictures when we upload to Instagram that's going to go with this story? There is pictures of okay. the um, 
the, um, the coffins all lined up. Okay. There's, there is a picture of that. Um, I don't recall if there's one of the actual family, but I know there is one of the, with the coffins all lined up. Okay. 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 So, uh, yeah, the grave site reads the murdered family. They were buried eight feet by 26 feet. I do like the fact is that, um, Jake, um, the 13 year old boy, he, he got buried with them too, because he didn't, because he didn't belong to them. He belonged, you know, to another family. And I like that they just kind of included him in that. Yeah, that was, that was cute. Um, so Emma, who was eight, eight months at the time, inherited the property. No one farmed on the land until Emma's husband, Clarence Hansen, picked things back up in the late 1940s. Emma and Clarence had three children together. She died in 2003, and her son, Kurt, said the land sits quietly now. Oh, so she basically died on the farm. I don't know if she continued. I know in the 1940s, they, um, her husband decided to pick up the um, farm thing, but I don't know if like after, like especially like in the the seventies, eighties, nineties, and all that. I don't know if she was still living on that property or not. Mm-hmm. But um, from what I I didn't put it in there because, but um, the son, he was talking about that people used to bully her. Because Emma, of what, yeah, because of what happened to her family, and I'm just like, that's kind of shitty. Like, some heartless people right there. How how you going? Make fun of somebody who has to suffer through some yeah, shit like that. Yeah, she said it kind of, um, it always kind of followed her and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I can see why it followed her, but. But the thing is, is they got to remember, like, she was only eight months. She remembers nothing. Absolutely nothing. She wouldn't remember nothing, even if she wanted to. <laughs> yep, so okay, that's, so, that's- so that's about the. Murdered family of the wolves. Of the wolves. And that is our main story. And now we have a few little crime stories for you guys. Okay, so here's our little crime stories. Um, the first one takes place in Australia. It says in January, oh, this is new, January 2021, two fishermen named Cam Foss and Kev Joyner found a 40-year-old naked man sitting on a tree branch in Australia. Oh, my God, in a crocodile habitat. Why? <laughs> um, the fishermen heard, that, heard a yelp for help as they were setting crab traps. That's when they noticed that, noticed Luke, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Voskersensky, V-O-S-K-R-E-S-E-N-S-K-Y. Sorry if we uh, pronounced that wrong. So uh, they found Luke naked. He said that he had become lost for four days. Luke was covered in mud, cuts, and insect bites. Oh, what's his soul? Um, Kevin's... Kev or Kevin? Kev. Kev. Uh, said they were hesitant at first because his story didn't make any sense of why he was naked. But once they saw how bad and weak he was, they brought him aboard. They thought he 
They thought he had a big night after New Year's and maybe got lost. Um, at the hospital, he was placed under police guard as he was treated for exposure. Exposure to what? I think just elements and nature. Oh. Um, police said that Luke was free on bail after being charged with armed. Oh my God! Armed robbery, multiple aggravated assaults. What is that? Deprivation. Deprivation of liberty and stealing. Luke cut off his electronic monitoring. Oh my goodness! <laughs> cut off his electronic monitoring device, which is basically like a house arrest device thing, right? Yeah. Um, at the end of December and attempted to evade police. So he decided to go at the police? No. Oh, okay. No, that's saying, like, he cut his he, he cut his ankle monitor to, like, to disappear. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I read it wrong. Evade. I thought it said invade. Um, he was facing new charges and breaching bail in aggravated assault. Wow. So, homie, like, had zero fucks to give. Oh, and I didn't put it in the story because I couldn't get the right flow of it. But um, they gave him a beer because they're like, this dude needs a beer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when, they first, when they first brought him onto the boat, um, the one guy gave him some clothes and then, like, gave him a beer. He's like, yeah. He's like, this guy, like, I feel like. Why not? Okay, so do we have pictures for that one? There is no pictures for that one. Okay. Um, so this one takes place in Scotland. And in February 2018, a 20-year-old farmer named Bruce Grubb was throwing a housewarming party when he noticed something in his cow shed. A cow shed is a building where cows are. <laughs> I didn't know what a cow shed was. Yeah, not that slow. <laughs> <laughs> that basically says what it is. <laughs> so. <laughs> and they are kept while they are built. Um, so <laughs> Bruce pointed his flashlight to the cow shed to see, and he saw a full-grown tiger. Oh, shit. He called the cops and reported the tiger, which led to an armed police standoff for 45 minutes. They even contacted a nearby wildlife park to see if any tigers were missing. No tigers were reported missing. Bruce said his first officer to respond was so was so scared that he didn't even want to get out of the car. He waited for backup or several other police patrols. After armed cops engaged in the standoff for about 45 minutes, they stated they started to wonder why the tiger wasn't make, wasn't moving. That's when they realized the tiger wasn't real, and it was, a and in fact, it was a life-size, <laughs> life-size stuffed tiger. Wow. Bruce was embarrassed, but he honestly didn't know. He was afraid and thought the tiger would kill his cows. The cops asked if they could keep the stuffed tiger as a, as a mascot. They don't know how the stuffed tiger got there. Yeah, there is, there is a picture of that. And from the picture, like you couldn't tell because um he he put up his flashlight and um because of you know it was really dark in there and just by the way it was like you couldn't tell from a stuffed animal and 
plush, are you really gonna go up thinking like it's if you're just seeing a not tiger if it looks in the fake of the in the night? Yeah, if you're gonna see a tiger I mean, if it looks real in the middle of the night, hell no, I'm not going out there. Yeah, because like you know, who no one's expecting a stuffed tiger to be like on the ground. That's so creepy and though. It was, how like, it just in a position. randomly just pops up. Yeah, and like I just laughed because like the one guy, the one cop was like, "Hell no, I get out the fuck there." <laughs> and then now it's like like. Dude, this could have ended a long time ago. But I like that that um they kept the tiger and wanted to keep it as a mascot. I thought that I like that. Yeah, that was cute. Okay, so our last one. Let's play some fun. Uh yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so it takes place in Florida, good old Florida, uh, July 2019, 36-year-old Derek McKay. Do we have pictures for this one? Um, yes, there is. Okay. Um, was stopped for speeding. He was going 51 in a 35-mile-per-hour zone. Deputies realized he was driving on a suspended license in a 5 prior suspended license conviction. Oh, shit. He was arrested for driving with suspended license, and they were performing a pat-down on Mr. McKay when they found a foreign object near his butt. <laughs> when they were at jail, they removed a large baggie. Damn, bro. A large baggie of cocaine, small baggies of crack, eight small baggies of heroin. Like he's like, you ain't gonna catch me. Mm mm. Um. Oh wait, there's more. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Two small baggies of Molly. A small baggie of marijuana. Twelve white oval pills of. Lortab and 12 green pills of oxycodone. Oh my god. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff she friends up there. Like, listen, my mind starts going to places and I start questioning things and I'm like, I'm not even going to say, but I'm just like, how and why? I know I say this every time I hear things like this, but it's just like, why? <laughs> How? <laughs> Not right, man. Maybe oh. uh, he was given a handful of charges, including driving on a suspended license and drug possession with an intent to sell. All right. <laughs> yeah, there's, if I can find the picture again, there's a picture of him and then, like, with all, like, the drugs out of the bag. Oh, Just to my show God. you, like, all the stuff, like, he had shoved up. Yeah. Yeah, we got to post that one. Here's another little advertisement from our sponsorship. All right, so this little story takes place in Puerto Rico. And it says a 46-year-old police officer named Fernando Leon Berdison, Berdicia. I don't know. Uh, was charged in 2020 for selling more than $1,300 worth of goods from Home Depot. A police officer stole that. 
Um, he was, wow. He was even wearing his uniform and was temporarily suspended. Yeah, like, if you're gonna steal, maybe not show your hat. With your badge and your name and everything else, just wide open on surveillance. Um, in January 2000, oh, okay, so this one takes place in Florida. And this is going to be our last little story for the night. So in January 2021, a 22-year-old man named Joshua Schinker was arrested for theft on a motor vehicle. Uh, arrested for theft of a motor vehicle, aggravated battery on a law enforcement officer, and resisting office resisting on officers without violence. Shortly before noon, officers responded to reports of a naked man running along I-10 in Jacksonville. <laughs> Joshua was lying in the roadway when the, the officers stopped on on the route. Uh, he ran across the highway towards the officer. Joshua stole and crashed the patrol car. They didn't say how he was able to steal the car. Of course, they wouldn't because why would they put their their flaws out there? Uh, he caused about $10,000 worth of damage to the vehicle. Well, damn, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's a a lot of damage. A a lot of hella damage. Like he must have been like intentionally trying to break that damn thing. I was assuming that maybe he was just on something, and that's why he was they found him naked. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I I don't know. But I also I didn't know like what he crashed into or anything like that. But I was like. But luckily, like, you know, no one got hurt. So that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is good. All right. So we will be adding the pictures to our Instagram. Um, As soon as I get this uploaded, as soon as you go onto our Instagram, you'll see the pictures of the people that we've been talking about on the ones that we could find the pictures on. Um. So I did update, I, like I said at the beginning, I know that I've been late on updating everything and getting on Facebook and all that. So my apologies, but I did update the pictures to the stories that we have previously, previously found and the ones that we do have for this episode onto our Instagram at Spooks and Crime. And please, please, please follow us, subscribe or become a patron. So how you say it? I think it's yeah, Patreon. Patreon, Patron, Patton. <laughs> um, all price, all prices are affordable for monthly subscriptions. Sorry, and for any personal stories, um, comments, feedbacks, or anything else that you just want to say, whatever, email us at spooksandcrimes at yahoo.com. We are also available on all other Google podcasts besides just Spotify. So um, if for some reason you just want to be such a good supporter and want to tell other people to listen to us (laughs) and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't listen to Spotify. Well, they can go to other Google podcasts. Um, I think we're on 
I'm not sure which ones we're on. I know yeah. we're on a couple of them. Um, my bad. But like I said, I've been working on a website and a Facebook page. So uh, just work with us. We're still trying. But thank you guys so much for the, the one listeners that we do have, the few listeners that we do have. Nobody's actually subscribed to us yet. So we don't know exactly who you are. So we can't thank you personally. But for the ones that have been listening to get us out there, thank you. I know Rasan's been listening. Thanks, boo. Appreciate it. Um, shout out. <laughs> yeah, shout out. <laughs> but um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is episode seven. Like I said, go to our Instagram and we'll have the pictures of the people that we've been talking about. Bye.